everyone, and welcome back to Our Golden 20s. My name is Tegan, and I'm joined with my co-host, Sadie. Hello. And today we are going to be talking about the media that shaped our lives. So this can be movies, TV shows, albums, I don't know, video games, Mm -hmm. anything. Yeah, I feel it's like the pop culture. It'll be kind of nostalgic, but also a really great reflection and like self-discovery mm-hmm. episode but in like a way we haven't really gone about before and even just like me personally a way I've never really thought about what has yeah. shaped me to be the person I am today so I think this will be a really fun episode I'm excited for it yeah I feel like it'll be at least for me it was a lot of like going down rabbit holes of like okay I like this music but why did I like it oh it's because it sounded like this music which sounded like that music so it's kind of like it's all connected in a weird way yeah 100% and if you guys listen to us regularly you know that we're big on self-discovery and I feel like that's like a common Mm -hmm. theme no matter what topic we're talking about on this podcast, like if it's talking about skincare, if it's talking about friendships, dating, we really are just trying to inspire you guys to like, I don't know, develop some self-awareness because I think that will help you regardless of what you're working on in your life right now. Not saying you need to be working on something at all times, but you know what I mean? So I feel like this would be a really great prompt for you as well. Like I said, it's really just like a really fun way to reflect on things. But I also want to call out, I think, as much as I love self-reflection and I love journaling and everything, I feel people don't realize how hard it is. So I also wanted to say Mm -hmm. how Tegan and I came up with this episode idea. Well, Tegan came up with it like, I don't know how long ago, but we put it in the July calendar a month ago. And I was like, okay, I'm really going to have to think about this. And literally I've spent probably the past three weeks adding notes on and off as things pop into my mind. Like it's not like we just sat down and wrote all this out in five minutes. So just wanted to like bring a reality check to that because I think when it comes to reflecting, it sounds easy, but, and obviously us just going on talking about it, it sounds like we just thought of this as we're in this conversation. (laughs) But yeah, big thing with self-reflection is it does take a lot of time and like a lot of like thinking back and whatnot. So just wanted to throw that out there as well. But I feel like in your 20s too, it's important to self-reflect because there might be times where you have like these identity crises and you're just like, who even am I? Or like, where am I going with my life? Like, what am I doing? Or how did I get to be this way or whatever? So I feel like reflection is key when you're having those moments of maybe self-doubt or just like self-crisis or something. So just wanted to throw all that out there before we jump into it. Yeah. (laughs) Love it. So I guess we can get started. I also feel like this will be a good one for our new listeners who maybe like don't know our personalities fully. Yes, 100%. So I'm excited. Yeah. Yeah. It's a little like get to know us. Yeah, exactly. But like on a deep level. <laughs> yeah, like, exactly. Yeah, some minors like way back in my childhood. <laughs> yeah. This is what made Like, me yeah, me. there are people that are like my friends now who probably don't know some of this stuff. But yeah, exactly. That's fine. 100%. Yeah. And I also feel like, like Tegan's always like our pop culture. I feel you're like the pop culture 
expert on the podcast, you know, and then I'm like the reflection (laughs) person and like the journaler. Mm -hmm. So it's like this episode's bringing us both together in our unique ways. Yeah. (laughs) But yes, anyways, enough, enough of the rambling lead up to it. Let's jump into it. Yeah. Yeah. Did you want to start with maybe like movies? Should we start there? Yeah, let's do it. Do you want to kick us off, Tig? Uh, sure. Well, I love movies, obviously. Yeah. Because I majored in film. Yeah. I have two degrees in it. They're behind me. You can't see them, but they're on the wall. So, obviously, I love movies. But how did I start to love movies? That was what I, like, started with my thought process to get here. So, I think it all started with Pirates of the Caribbean. Hell which is maybe... Yeah controversial but I still love especially the first movie like I think that's like an almost perfect movie so fun perfect like family film which Mm -hmm. like there's never any good family films anymore besides like Marvel Mm -hmm. anyways so I saw Pirates of the Caribbean I just think it's a great movie and it made me love Johnny Depp he was like my first celebrity crush and And so I would watch him (laughs) yeah oh yeah And so I would watch every single Johnny Depp movie. Like, I've almost seen them. Well, maybe not recent ones. But back in the day, I had seen, like, almost every single Johnny Depp movie. And I watched one in particular, which was called Secret Window, which I think is, like, a Stephen King short story. And it's, like, it's not an amazing movie. It's kind of like a thriller, horror, kind of weird. I don't know. But I had it on DVD. And I would watch all the special features on like all the DVDs I had just because it's like if you bought the DVD, you were watching all the special features because you put some money into it. So for that one, they had like a commentary track, but it wasn't like a typical one with like the director or with Johnny Depp. It was actually with the cinematographer. And he was talking about like, okay, so in this scene, the character's really mad. So we made sure that all the lighting is red and we made it so that, you know, this shadow falls across him and makes it look like an X because he shouldn't be going in there. And it was the first time where I kind of realized that there was more to a movie than just like the plot Mm -hmm. or like the actors who were explaining the plot. Right. It was like oh, every single thing that's happening was a decision made by somebody. Mm -hmm. And so, like, why did they make that decision? And so I wanted to, like, bring that up because that's the first thing that made me, I guess, like, critically watch movies, which is when I find it's, like, so much easier to enjoy them because even if you're watching a bad movie, you can then... I don't know, you're still getting something from it because you're like, oh, they shouldn't have done that or they should have made the costumes this way or the lighting that way. And so obviously that led me to film school, which is where I met my husband and actually the first ever movie we watched together on a first date was a Johnny Depp movie, Nightmare on Elm Street. So good old Johnny Depp's just been (laughs) in my life. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I love so that, that was my so long-winded much. first movie story. So it's technically Pirates of the Caribbean, but kind of like Johnny Depp movies in general. Yeah. 
I love that. And it's so true. Like I've known you my entire life and I know, I know you love the Pirates of the Caribbean movie. I know you love Mm -hmm. Johnny Depp, but it is so interesting to be like, well, that's what led you to work or like go to school for film. And that's what led you to meet your husband. And that's what led you to get your job that you currently have. And it's just like so crazy, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's for a lot of like film kids, if you ask them, like, why did you get into film? It's not because it's like, I saw, you know, Citizen Kane and wanted to recreate the craft. Right. It's like, I saw Star Wars yeah. and was like, I want to do that. Or yeah. I saw Harry Potter. Yeah. 100%. You know, so it seems fancy when you major in it. But the reality is, like, I feel like 90% of people went because they just loved movies as little kids. Yeah. I love that so much. Yeah. How about you? It's a movie that changed your life. Yeah. So I'm going to start. Mine's kind of in like chronological order and like of my life. kind of. Okay. Okay. So I have two movies, one sort of movie in between, but I'm going to start way back in the day. 1997, Little Sadie is two years old and the Spice World movie comes out. (laughs) And I think, like I said, I think this is going to be like a nostalgic episode for some people. Other people, I feel like, are going to be like, "Mm, we're a little too young for this to like be resonating, but I can appreciate your passion because when I talk about Spice Girls, I get very passionate. So (laughs) it's funny because my mom, to this day, like, I feel like I'm like, First of all, I'm like the youngest of three girls in my family. And I just have like that younger, youngest sibling vibe, you know, like that I don't give a fuck vibe. Like mom and dad were tough on my first two sisters. By the time it got to me, there were no rules anymore. Like that's just kind of the vibe I have. So my mom's always been like saying how I'm just so sassy, how I was always like the one to like break the rules and whatever. And we joke that I wasn't necessarily born with my sass, but it definitely started at a young age by watching the Spice World movie. And I feel (laughs) like it also just shaped so much of my personality because obviously Spice World, we all know the Spice Girls, I'm sure, even if you're not familiar with the movie or never seen it, but they're just on their tour and their singers are a girl group. And that was literally my dream as a kid was to grow up mm. to be a rock star, which will be an underlying theme of some of my things that shape my life. But this is really where it all started. So I grew up like putting on full on concerts for my entire family, doing dance routines with my friends. When I was older, my parents got a trampoline and I was doing like trampoline dance routines and stuff. And I really think mm. it all just started because of the Spice Girls and like seeing that girl group. And it's funny now thinking back to it because it's like, okay, you were a kid who loved to like play dress up and put on concerts, but it's like, I feel like now that's just such a big part of who I am still today where like, if I'm not out at a Taylor Swift dance party with Tegan, like we were just the other week, I'm at home dancing Mm -hmm. around my apartment, literally the exact same way I was when I was a kid, but now I have a glass of wine and I'm dancing around my apartment in the city rather than my bedroom in a really small ass town in the middle of nowhere. (laughs) Like, you know, I'm still (laughs) the exact person I was. And it's just like interesting to think this is probably where it all started and kind of going back to that whole getting like dressed up for these concerts and stuff. Like I loved playing dress up and I feel like that really started kind of with, you know, the Spice World movies, the concert 
theme I was just talking about, but I feel like it also kind of evolved into my just love for fashion and my love of shopping, yeah. like, and that I'm going to get more into more specifics for my love of fashion and what led me to go to fashion business management school and ultimately work in marketing for in the fashion industry and like how that shaped my life. But I feel like that whole putting on concerts, playing dress up was the whole start of it way back in the late nineties. But I was also thinking of Spice World because it's like, okay, Sadie, this is great. Like you're like, this is like fun parts of my personality. But I also am like, I feel like there's just kids before Spice Girls and kids after Spice Girls and the kids <laughs> after Spice Girls are now the ones that are the first to admit they're feminists. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's just like, that was such like a female empowerment movement. And I'm like, yeah. yes, like all so good. And like for the nineties, it was just like amazing. Right. And now you look back on it and you're just like, hell yeah, this shaped me to be the feminist I am today. And I'm obviously, I've said so many times, like if there's one thing I'm passionate about, it's being like a female, a working woman, like that sort of thing mm -hmm. and Spice World. <laughs> But they actually yeah. go hand in hand. So just wanted to also say that on the Spice World movie. One of my favorite quotes, or I guess it's a quote, but it was also like always my dream to go to like a school dance dressed up as the Spice Girls with like my girlfriend group. It never actually mm -hmm. happened, but it was obvious that if it did happen, I would be Ginger Spice because I have like reddish brown <laughs> hair. So that was always just who I was. I feel like that's always the question, what Spice Girl were you? And that was always yeah. my answer. And my favorite going to the female empowerment and just to wrap up the whole Spice World thing is when Ginger Spice is, you know, in her little Ginger Spice outfit, goes into the phone booth. She comes out a man mm -hmm. and she's like, girl power, equalization between the sexes. She has her little peace signs out. I'm like, everything yeah. about this, I can just imagine two, three-year-old Sadie sitting like on the floor as close to the TV as possible. I had like hair down to my ass, straight across bangs, like cut so <laughs> sharp across like my eyebrows. And I can just imagine myself sitting there and being like, yes, like <laughs> having yeah. no idea the impact it would like have on me, but just so good. That's where I thought I would start. <laughs> Yeah, I love the Spice Girls. Okay. I remember we used to watch that movie like on a loop also. There yes. was like some point, I don't remember a lot of the details, but there was definitely a point where like they're watching men dancers and yes. they like flip around and show their butts. Yes. And oh we thought gosh. this was like the funniest thing. So like we would good. force our parents to rewind it so we could rewatch it because we just thought like that was the peak of comedy yeah. was that you could see their butts. <laughs> <laughs> so funny oh my gosh I love it so, so much yeah which Spice Girl do you think I am because I used to when I was little say baby mm -hmm. but now I don't really think I am a baby I don't know yeah I don't know it's been a long time since I watched it so I'd need to like go yeah. back and especially now that I'm learning so much about you through this episode I'm like hey yes. we'll, we'll take this offline <laughs> Yeah, I feel like yeah. maybe me saying I don't want to be the baby makes me the baby. Maybe, yeah. And I feel like when I, I feel like I want to be the posh, but I'm not. <laughs> I, yeah. And now we know what they grow up to be, you know, where it was like when you were yeah. a kid, it was everybody wanted to be Baby Spice because she was just like, yeah, I don't know, the icon to be. And now it's like yes. everybody wants to be married to David Beckham and <laughs> be the yeah. posh, well, yes. have a beautiful British family. Yeah. But 
Yeah. Have you seen this season of The Circle? No, I haven't. Oh, okay. You have to watch it. I won't say anything, but you have to no, watch it. No, I actually, I did see something about this. So I do need to watch it. Even last week's yeah. episode when we were talking about dating and you brought up The Circle, yeah. I was like, I need to watch the new like season and I haven't gone back to watch, but I will. It was like my favorite season of The Circle. Okay. Like I was like hurting from smiling Ooh, watching it. Okay. Because I was just so joyful. Oh, and I was I like, I never feel joy when I watch yeah, TV. Yeah, especially reality TV. So. Usually you're watching it and you're like, why the yeah. hell am I watching this? <laughs> yeah. Okay, I'll so definitely, definitely start watching watch it. That. Yeah. I think the next movie that I had to talk about is the movie La La Land, which is obviously like a newer one. Mm-hmm. But it came out when I was like in my final year of film school and like if you haven't seen the movie it's all about like Emma Stone's character is trying to like make it in Hollywood but like as an actor and so I was kind of like at this precipice of should I move forward with trying to be in the film industry and it's like a very frustrating industry to try to break into and that's kind of what the whole movie is about is that like in part it's called La La Land because it's like you have to be like completely out of it or delusional to think that you can make this work for you but in the end in the movie she like just keeps fighting through the rejection to try and make it work. And so every single time, like my mom would be driving me to job interviews in the city, which would be like a two hour drive. I would just be listening to like the La La Land soundtrack and thinking about it. And like the opening song is called Another Day of Sun. And it's all about how like you're going to get rejected over and over and over again. But then the next morning you wake up and the sun's still up. Mm -hmm. So you just keep doing it. And yeah, so it was just like, I feel like it came out at a pivotal time for me and was just like so related. So I love that Mm -hmm. movie. I know people like hate it, but I love it. It has Ryan Gosling. It's impossible to hate that movie. Yeah. (laughs) And he is so good. Like he's the perfect, like kind of sassy, but like also kind of a loser. Like he's not too cool. Perfect Ryan Gosling. Not the best singer. But that's okay, you know? No. We still love him. I don't even mind his singing. People, and same with Emma Stone. I yeah. don't know. I just yeah. love that movie. Yeah, that movie is really, really so good. good. I love it too. And I feel like yeah. it's just like that like theme of chasing your dreams. Yeah, that's it. And it's like, if yeah. you have a dream. And what will you sacrifice for yeah. your dreams? How hard are you going to fight for yeah. it? Yeah. I think I love that so much. Like, Yeah, that is a good movie. Now you're making me want to watch that movie as well. Yeah, Yeah. I have the soundtrack too. And it is like a perfect soundtrack. Like I have it on vinyl. Any season, Mm -hmm. you put that on, you're like, this is the perfect soundtrack for this season. Then the next season rolls around, it's still perfect. You're like, this is the perfect cleaning soundtrack. You're dancing. This is the perfect dancing soundtrack. Like anything. It used to be like my commuting soundtrack. And I was just like, I'm ready for this whole bus to just like break out in song and dance. Even to this day, I still listen to someone. Is it someone in the crowd? Yeah. While I'm getting ready. Like that's a good getting ready song. Like I just picture the scenes from the movie and I'm just like, yes, this is a pump up song. Yeah. I love that. So good. Yeah. Awesome. 
I think my next one is not really a movie in specific, but it is like a late 90s, early 2000s, like, moment. And that is the Olsen twins. And I think, well, okay, probably not many people know this about me, obviously, especially like my newer friends or whatever. But when I was a kid, (laughs) my childhood best friend and I looked a lot alike. Like we were both kind of like redhead-ish. She was more redhead than I was. And my family would go camping with her family every single summer. And it was the best. Like, so my mom and her dad were like best friends growing up kind of thing, lived, or maybe they weren't best friends, but they were like neighbors, they were friends, whatever. So then when they had kids, like obviously the kids became friends with the kids, whatever. Anyways, Everybody always said that me and my best friend looked a lot alike and people who didn't know us would be like, oh, are you guys twins? And we just thought that was amazing. And we were like obsessed with the Olsen twins. I was always Mary-Kate. She was always (laughs) Ashley. And it was the best. Like the highlight of my year every year was these camping trips. And we would just like reenact Mary-Kate and Ashley movies. And I don't know why we did this. We would take their names. We would like obviously play like (laughs) make-believe and like – You know, it was just so fun. And like one of my favorite childhood memories is like reenacting these movies with her. But anyways, I think outside of that, that just being a core part of my childhood is I, to Mm -hmm. this day, I still love the Olsen twins. I feel like my favorite things from them was So Little Time, the TV show that was like Disney or the Family Channel in Canada. That was like 2001 2002-ish which I didn't realize like I was quite young but so good I love that like that high school like I don't know they were always just like so aspirationally cool for me but like attainably cool you know and also New York Minute I think New York Minute is still one of my favorite movies just in general like if I'm like I don't know what to watch I'll turn on New York Minute because it's just the best (laughs) It came out 2004-ish, so I was still, like, very young. Mm -hmm. But I think it started my, like, obsession for New York. And then a few years later, Gossip Girl came around, and that totally solidified it. Like, I don't have Gossip Girl on my list of things that changed my life because it really didn't. It just made me love New York. But the Olsen twins definitely started it. However, outside of all of that, I think where the Olsen twins influenced me the most was definitely in my fashion and like my the fashion I aspire to have kind of thing. So I was just saying how much I love to play dress up and stuff and how I eventually go on to fashion business management school, which is my next movie. Hint, hint. Everybody already knows what it is. <laughs> but I think the Olsen twins were really like that effortless boho style that I just like aspired to have so badly. And I remember even working mm-hmm. in Anthro, we would always have, you know, even anthro still structured this way where there's like a preppy section, a girly section and the boho section. Everyone was always like, Sadie, I feel you're the boho section. And I was always like, guys, that's the biggest compliment. Like that is the style I aspire (laughs) to have. And I feel like obviously fashion is like a big part of like your self-expression and stuff. So like, I feel it is like a important part of me for that reason and like why I value it so much. But I feel like the Olsen twins definitely like shaped my fashion and if not the actual fashion I wear because I'm definitely not as boho and like effortlessly chic as they are it's like still my goals in life (laughs) yeah I can see that I love how they 
Like, they're, like, one of the only celebrities I see who carry, like, a Birkin bag Mm. and, like, beat it up and destroy it. And I, like, have so much respect for that. Like, the woman is named after. She carries one. And she, like, puts stickers on it. Like, it always is, like, falling apart full of, like, books and scarves. Because she's like, it's practical. I got to carry my stuff around. And they're the exact same. And I was like, that is so cool. Like, that you have a Birkin bag. But, like, you're not carrying it because it's a Birkin. You're carrying it because it's convenient and it's black. And I'm like, that is so cool. They're just so, like effortless and like iconic no matter what they do no matter what they wear I'm just like how can you be that iconic and appear to not even be trying (laughs) like but that's the whole like that's their whole thing I don't know it's just so good yeah, yeah, I think my so yeah good. my childhood bedroom had posters of Hillary Duff, who unfortunately is not on this list at any point. Yeah. <laughs> they uh, also had so many posters of Mary Kate and Ashley as well because they were just mm-hmm. like my everything. Yeah, definitely. I think the next thing I wanted to talk about is actually a TV show. And it's one that I've talked about before on the podcast, but it's my favorite TV show of all time. What I also believe is the best TV show of all time. And that is Mad Men, which I, it started in like 2009 or something. I didn't watch it live. It reached a point when I was in university where it started going to Netflix, which is when I started watching Mm. it. But it just changed my perspective on, like, work. It changed my perspective on advertising, on being a woman, and on what television could Mm. be. I don't know. Like, it's very much about how the world shifted in the 60s away from, like, okay, so the rich, straight, white man is at the peak, and it's slowly going to you know, chip away and make room for women and people of color and stuff like that. Not saying that rich white men still aren't on the Mm -hmm. peak, but (laughs) that's kind of the whole point of the show is it's about a character, uh, Peggy, who starts as a secretary and it's her trying to work her way up and kind of like forage her own path in this industry that's not only male dominated, but like very sexist Mm -hmm. and she's just the best. And you can just see, I don't know, like there are so many good episodes around like how you should dress for work. And there are some characters who dress to be desired because they think that that will get them ahead. Or there are characters like Peggy who tries to dress like a man because she thinks that's what will get her ahead. And then the whole moral of every episode where there's a dilemma like this is like, they don't really know. You just have to go with what you think is the best. And I just think that that's so interesting Mm -hmm. that it's not like, okay, at the end of the episode, you learned your lesson. You should dress like a man. It's like, this is working for the one woman. This is working for the other. And You'll see what happens. Yeah. I don't know. I just love that yeah. show. I've started watching it. I haven't got that far. I think now it's on Prime, right? If you're wanting yeah, to watch I it Yeah, I think now. so. But I have really liked it so far, but I don't know why I keep yeah. forgetting to go back and keep watching. But It's a very slow burn. Yeah. Like it's kind of like a soap opera where it's like, what happened this episode? And it's like, um, well, Dawn talked to 
Peggy and then she did an ad campaign. Like it's like nothing feels like it's happening and it's all like a character study, but the fashion is so good. It's all accurate to the time, to the year. Mm -hmm. And so like Peggy's a poorer character. So her fashion is actually fifties because they're like, she wouldn't be buying new clothes every year. She'd be wearing her clothes from the fifties and the set design. It's just so, so good. I know everyone says Breaking Bad's the best TV show of all time. And I do love Breaking Bad, but I think Mad Men's number yeah. one. Breaking Bad's number two. Oh, I love it. Yeah. I feel it's yeah. been a while since you've brought up Mad Men. So I think it was due yeah. for you to remind everybody to go watch it. So good. Yeah. Awesome. So good. Okay. The last movie I wanted to mention is obviously The Devil Wears Prada. You probably could have guessed that from me saying the next thing I'm going to talk about influenced my career and me going to school for the fashion industry, whatever. So I've already talked about how much I like grew up loving fashion, whatever. At times I wanted to be a rock star. At times I wanted to be a fashion designer, (laughs) all this stuff. That was just who I was. But when I watched The Devil Wears Prada, everything just kind of clicked for me where I was like, this is it. Like, and I think it's, it was mm. sort of like Mad Men where it was like that moment where you were just like, wow. But in Devil Wears Prada, you have Meryl Streep, this like boss ass bitch. And it was like a woman mm. in power. And it was like, that is what I want. Like I want to yeah. have like two assistants or an assistant, two secretaries, whatever Anne Hathaway's character is. Yeah. Like, I want to be that woman in power at a fashion company, at a magazine. Like, that was the dream. And obviously, I didn't even know that was, like, possible because I grew up in a small town before seeing this movie. So it was just, like, as soon as I got set on that, that influenced what schools I applied to for college and university. And I basically found one program at a university in Toronto that – had a fashion communications course or sorry program for your program and Mm -hmm. essentially it was like the output of this program is you'll work in fashion communications primarily magazines so that was like my Mm. dream school and then all the other backup schools that I applied to were programs I found at other colleges in the city that like mirrored that program essentially and I ended up going to one of the backup schools and studying fashion business management but going back to the movie I think you know it was really what influenced like work ethic being again like I don't know if you work and this is maybe not necessarily true and how I view things now but like if you work really hard you can make it like Anne Hathaway didn't you know she wasn't the really fashiony New York girl going to the interview but she Mm -hmm. ended up becoming that in the end whatever it just showed like how ambitious women can be in the career and I feel like even starting like my part-time jobs at school like in high school sorry I took them all so seriously and like just like I feel like I have a really great work ethic and like I'm very ambitious and I feel like it was literally from watching that movie seeing all these boss ass (laughs) bitches just killing it kind of thing yeah so yeah I feel like that kind of led me to like I said my school which then led me since I graduated from a fashion business program it was like and I ended up going into general marketing but when I first graduated I worked for like fashion retail companies in the marketing side of things the magazine dream got scrapped pretty quickly as like social media and things came into play and became Mm. more of a 
like modern marketing over magazines. I still love magazines so much and that's probably why, but career-wise, I'm now in the social media realm of things. I left fashion for a bit, but I'm now back in it and I just love it so, so much. Yeah, I love that. It is... I do love that movie. I just hate her boyfriend in that movie. Yeah, that's what everybody he says. bugs me. Yeah, but honestly, I kind of, yeah. like, he is annoying. But at the same time, like, I kind of get it. And I feel like it's kind of like yeah. that sacrifice of La La Land too, right? Like, there's times yeah. where she's sacrificing her relationship for her career, which yeah. even when I think about me personally, like, that's what I've done my entire 20s is not sacrifice yeah. relationships, but, like, put off relationships to build my career kind of thing. And that's what she was doing. Yeah. Just she had a boyfriend at the time. So something's got to give, yeah. you know? So, yeah. Everybody yeah. always says that, though. And he is annoying. But yeah. I'm also like, I get it. Yeah. It's it's tough being an ambitious yeah. woman and balancing a relationship. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I also heard that Anna Wintour, who, like, it's based yeah. on – was invited to the premiere, and so she purposely wore all Prada. Wow, we love that. To the premiere, which I was like, yes. Like, if someone's making a whole movie about how terrible I am, I'm going to lean into that and be like, yes, I'm the Wicked Witch. And, like, it is about how terrible she is, but not really. Like, I don't know. Like, No. Yeah. It's just, she, again, she's just, like, literally like the most iconic person another like working woman yeah. who like had to give up and has to be mean to be able to like make yeah. it work. I don't know and also like yeah. I don't know I have so many thoughts on this but yeah an icon <laughs> an icon for yeah sure. I also feel like it's kind of like what I was talking about like cluing in of like oh, all these things in movies were like decisions and had meaning. It's literally like exactly like that monologue she gives where she, when uh, she's complaining about how all the belts look the same. Where are the belts for this? Why is no one ready? Here. It's a tough call. They're so different. Mm. (laughs) Something funny? No, 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 nothing's, you know, it's just that both those belts look exactly the same to me, you know, I'm still learning about this stuff and, uh... This stuff? Oh, okay, I see. You think this has nothing to do with you. You go to your closet and you select, I don't know, that lumpy blue sweater, for instance, because you're trying to tell the world that you take yourself too seriously to care about what you put on your back, but what you don't know is that that sweater is not just blue, it's not turquoise, it's not lapis, it's actually cerulean. And you're also blithely unaware of the fact that in 2002, Oscar de la Renta did a collection of cerulean gowns, and then I think it was Yves Saint Laurent, wasn't it, who showed cerulean military jackets? I think we need a jacket here. Mm. And then Cerulean quickly showed up in the collections of eight different designers. And then it uh, filtered down through the department stores and then trickled on down into some tragic casual corner where you no doubt fished it out of some clearance bin. However, that blue represents millions of dollars and countless jobs. And it's sort of comical how you think that you've made a choice that exempts you from the fashion industry when in fact... You're wearing a sweater that was selected for you by the people in this room. 
from a pile of stuff. Literally. And I feel like that actually was very eye-opening for me in that movie. And then yeah. I remember I've shared with you guys, like, different things throughout my career that I've, like, heard and people being telling me how, like, cutthroat the fashion industry is, how you have to work your ass off, how yeah. blah, 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 blah. And, I again, I feel like that's what's really fueled my work ethic and my career ambition because yeah. it is not an easy industry by any means. Yeah, definitely. I think the last TV show I want to talk about is Sex and the City, which we talk about a Love lot. It. And... It's a new what like newish. I think I started watching it in like 2019, mm-hmm. maybe. But it is now like one of my favorite shows. I feel like it was, I don't know, it just changed my perspective on like being an adult. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of the shows I watched, I felt like were never felt maybe like realistic mm-hmm. to me. Not to say that like a lot of Sex in the City is realistic. But a lot of that shows just like them getting coffee, yeah. them getting dinner. Yeah. Like it's not like, I don't know, something crazy. And so it just changed my perspective on like being an adult, being in friendships, like living on your own. Mm-hmm. Like they have episodes about how like Carrie can't afford to buy her apartment because she spends so much money on fashion. And like, yeah, it changed my perspective on fashion. Sometimes I'm like, I don't know if I should wear this. And I'm like, no, Carrie Bradshaw. Yeah, would, so. exactly. I'm going to rock yeah. it, right? Not to mention, obviously, like the way they're so open and honest about sex, which I feel like is still lacking in a lot of yeah media, especially for women. Yeah. I just love that yeah. show. I was late to watch it as well. And I remember people being like, yeah. what do you mean you've never seen Sex in the City? This is such a Sadie show because it's again it's like kind of female empowerment you know it's like yes you have the fashion side you have just these women living their best lives in New York maybe it's not their best lives but you know it's like they're just (laughs) doing their thing in New York and I didn't watch it until after Tegan watched it and she's like no listen you have to watch this and I was like everybody keeps saying that I guess it's time I finally do and it is a game changer like it's just, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I it like you said, it is very realistic, and it's not like sugar coated in any way. You know, like yeah. I don't know. They make mistakes all the time. It's like a different and yes, it's yeah. Okay. It's a different vibe than like Friends. Yeah, or yeah. Something. Like Friends is like like Friends is like comfort. Exactly. Yeah. Sex and the City. It's yeah. like okay, they she just totally fucked up, but she's gonna be okay. Like you know? yeah. 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 They're all kind of a hot mess, but also the best at the same time. Like, yeah. So good. I feel like Sex in the City and Men Mad Men suffer from the same problem where their pilot episode is like kind of rough. So to all the listeners out there, if you watch the pilot of either Mad Men, Sex in the City is worse, I think. It feels very different than the rest of the series. Get to episode two yeah. and it will get yeah. better. That's actually a great point because I had tried to watch Sex and City yeah. years ago and I watched the first episode and I was like, what the heck was that? Like, yeah. I refused to watch more. Yeah. <laughs> but it's so yeah. true. Yeah. yeah. Such a good one. I'm glad that made your list because we do talk about it all the time. So many good. Non-stop. Yeah. And oh, this was the other thing I was going to say is I also think your 20s are so romanticized. Like, you know, it's 
the prime time to do everything, which is the whole premise of this podcast. But I feel like what I love so much about Sex and the City is they're in their 30s and still figuring it out. Mm -hmm. And that was so comforting to me as like a 23-year-old when I started watching it or however long ago I watched it. It was like, it's okay to not have it all figured out because nobody actually does. Like this show confirms that. And as soon as it is all sorted out, something comes up and like, that's life, you know? So that's my other favorite thing about yeah. Sex in the City. We can add that to my list as well yeah. because I love it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Great. Okay. Shall we move on to music? Yes, let's do it. So I have two albums I wanted to talk to you guys about. And I don't think, I don't know if either of them, it was like the actual album, but I'll walk you through it anyway. So the first one I want to call out I said my bedroom walls as a child were Hillary Duff, the Olsen twins, and 100% Avril Lavigne. And I have to say Avril mm-hmm. Lavigne let go, came out 2002, which will make you feel old. I know that's 20 years ago. <laughs> 2004 was Under My Skin, which is like literally my favorite album of hers ever. But anyways, both yeah. of these albums were typically what I was singing when I was putting on those concerts I was already talking to you guys about. And I mentioned to you guys that I wanted to be a rock star when I was a kid. And that was like literally my dream up until I watched The Devil Wears Prada. <laughs> like probably like <laughs> I feel every kid at one point goes through a phase of like wanting to be a rock star. But mine I feel like lasted way longer yeah. than usual. And I was like very set on it. And thinking back on it, I recently had this conversation how supportive my parents were of this dream. Like, I feel like they didn't think Mm. it was realistic, obviously, because (laughs) like, I'm not that musically talented, (laughs) but they were like, they signed me up for piano, which my mom wanted us all to play piano Mm -hmm. anyway, but I took piano. Then when I was like, I don't want to play piano, like rock stars play guitar. She was like, okay, we'll put you in guitar lessons. I did singing lessons. Mm -hmm. My, so you know, all of that was literally to support my dream of becoming a rock star to be the next Avril Lavigne. <laughs> my grandparents, <laughs> like they bought, I think they paid for some of those lessons, but they also bought me like this huge ass real sound system that was like crazy mm-hmm. microphones. I had these two huge speakers in my room, this like soundboard. I had a microphone that I could hold. I had a headset so I could have like my Lizzie McGuire, like dance parties, like, you know, the dancey mm-hmm. songs part of my concert. <laughs> like my family was so supportive of this dream, which I didn't realize until literally like, I want to say a few weeks ago when I was on a date and we were talking about, do you play instruments? Do you play instruments? Like blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And I shared how my dream was to be a rock star. And I was like, wow, my family was so supportive of that. But anyways, all this is to say I wanted to be the next Avril Lavigne because let go was (laughs) fire. So was under my skin. Still the best. So as a kid, I put on those concerts. I also wrote songs growing up and thinking back on it, I did journal a lot as a kid as well. But I feel like my songs were like my coping mechanism the way journaling has become in my Mm -hmm. 20s so I find that interesting to like reflect on I also just loved the idea of Avril Lavigne being a Canadian gal making it 
worldwide. You know what I mean? Like that was super inspiring mm-hmm. to me. My sister moved to Ottawa and we would always drive through Napanee where Avril was from. And I always remember like taking pictures of the sign and being like, this is where it all happened. If she can do it, I can do it too kind of thing. So that was always like an inspiration to me. But I want to say outside of like my dream of becoming a rock star and me being a silly girl who loves fashion, putting on concerts. This Mm -hmm. is so nerdy, but it does tie into the bigger picture of me as well. I created fan sites for my favorite celebrities using Pixo. (laughs) And I don't know if you guys know what Pixo is, but it was a free website builder. Okay. And I, my first Mm -hmm. fan site was for Avril Lavigne. It was called Addicted to Lavigne. Addicted dash number two dash <laughs> is it Levine still live? <laughs> it might be. I think it was probably under construction. Imagine. Yeah. And I don't know if Pixar yeah. is still a thing, but that's what it was yeah. called. And guys, this is what started my love for marketing. And I had no idea. So mm-hmm. I literally learned the basics of Photoshop. I learned the basics of HTML coding, literally, as like, I don't know, a 10 year old, like, this is what I did on the computer yeah. when I wasn't playing Sims, but <laughs> but I was like <laughs> making the banners for my website. Then I was coding my website. All of it was a fan site for Avril Lavigne. And thinking about it now, it's like, well, that's actually kind of, then I, you know, watched Devil Wears Prada and I was like, okay, well, I can now take mm-hmm. my web like design and everything that I love to do for my fan sites kind of that can become a magazine, you know, like it's kind of a lot of the same skills, like visually and like whatnot. The underlying thing here is really like that marketing side, which is what I do now in my career. But like I said, at the time I didn't have any idea. That's what I was like so interested in, but I feel like even like my basics of Photoshop knowledge still help me in my job today. Like not saying I'm a graphic Mm. designer by any means, but like I work in social media and you have to wear a lot of hats, like a copywriter, yeah. a social or like an actual social media marketing strategist, a graphic designer, like yeah. all the things I did on my Avril Lavigne website, <laughs> I'm now doing for brands, <laughs> social media accounts and whatnot. So yeah. it's so interesting how that kind of also led me, my love for Avril Lavigne led me to my career. Like. <laughs> Of not being a rock yeah. star, but as a marketer. Yeah. 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 Love yeah. it. So nerdy, but so interesting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think I had a website, but I I was trying to remember. I feel like it was about myself. Probably. Like I I feel like Yeah. Like it was just like, here are the things I like on different pages. Yeah, and stuff. I think. I don't know. I think our generation, or maybe it was just Canada, we kind of didn't have MySpace. Yeah. And I feel like people had Pixo websites, like about them kind of thing, like as if it was MySpace. And it was like a MySpace. And then... Yeah. Like you'd play music and stuff. Yeah, exactly. Put your pictures up. There was chat boxes and stuff. So I don't know, like I said, if that was generationally or like just in Canada. But then after Pixo came MySpace and then came Facebook and now we're, you know, into the Instagram and TikTok. But yeah, yeah I think that was normal tag. 
Yeah. The I can't. Well, I was trying to remember the details and I was like, I can't remember anything except that it was maybe about me. You I don't, don't know. remember your URL like addicted to Tegan? Oh, God, no. <laughs> <laughs> Tegan? Yeah. No. It was, I have no idea. It'd probably just be my yeah. name. I don't know. So funny. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. I think as far as music goes... I have to talk about the Beatles because the Beatles are still my favorite band. They're the best band in the world. They're the greatest rock and roll band. Like you can't argue that. <laughs> so good. There and will be no poll on that because the decisions already. Yeah. Been made. No. Well, I mean, <laughs> come on. There are people in my life when they try to say the Rolling Stones are better. I'm like, that's the dumbest thing you could have said. <laughs> and then they're like, oh yeah, I was joking. It's like, how can you argue? Yeah, yeah. That any band's better the than Beatles. the Beatles. Yeah. Like, that's true. That's bananas. So obviously the Beatles are good. Everyone knows that. <laughs> but I grew up like listening to them and I always loved them like a lot. Mm. Like they were my favorite band, even as like a young person. And I remember some of my friendships in like grade seven and eight was connecting with people my age who also loved the Beatles. Cause I was like, I didn't know there were people my age who also yeah. Like knew all the names of the members of the Beatles, yeah. which like, yeah, there's only four of them. So it's not that hard. But to me, small town living, that was very mm -hmm. exciting. And so I just loved the Beatles so much. I literally had to like upgrade my iPod because they have a lot of songs. And I like filled up my first one and I would just listen to them all the time. But where this kind of gets interesting is that so I love the Beatles still do but that's like the base of my music personality let's say and I was talking to my one friend Leanne who I don't know if she listens to this podcast but hi Leanne if you do <laughs> hi, Leanne. and I wanted to buy like tartan skinny jeans okay for some reason I because I wanted to be a stylish emo of course. and she was like girl there's this perfect store we don't have it in Canada. You have to shop online, but it's called Hot Topic. Best. And I was like, ooh, sounds great. Let's go there. So I go to like hottopic.com. And the day I'm on is the day that a band called Never Shout Never had released one of their albums. And it was the one that was called like What is Love or something like that. Okay. Anyways, I remember that one. So the Hot Topic homepage had... Like his album just came out and you can listen to it here. So I was like, oh, okay, I'll listen to it as I buy my tartan skinny jeans. And the first song I remember listening to it and being like, ooh, this sounds beatle -y. Yeah. And I was like, I can't believe there's new music that sounds beatle which looking back on it, I don't really think it sounds that beatle -y, But in my mind, it was just not yeah. pop yeah, music. Yeah. It wasn't Avril Lavigne. <laughs> so that's what was. Yeah, exactly. And so. I was like, oh my God, this is so great. So I like downloaded the album off LimeWire or something, listened to it. And then you were like, I've seen him in concert. Yeah. Or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, that's kind of, yeah. I'll get to that in my next point. So keep going, but yes. Okay, okay. Yeah. So you were like, I've seen him before. He's coming back to Toronto. So we should go to his concert together. So I was like, hell yeah, let's go. And then that was my first ever concert where I was in like general admission mm. because like we were young. I think yeah. we were in grade nine. Yeah. 
So that's pretty young to be in general. Maybe admission, even younger. We were actually, out there in the pit. Like, yeah. yeah. Yeah, definitely. Two, yeah, 2009, yeah, maybe? Yeah, 2009. Maybe even 2008 because the timeline yeah. for my next thing is 2007 is when I got into pop punk okay. music. Okay, so and it might have been. Found Never Shot Never. So it was somewhere between yeah. 2007 and 2009. Yeah. Yeah. So obviously we go to that show. So much fun. It introduced me to more of like that scene because they were on like the Bamboozled mm-hmm. tour. And so this was trying to be like a competitor to Warp Tour. And so we got to see like four bands that night that were all kind of in that same scene. And then that brought me to All Time Low, mm-hmm. who Sadie and I both loved and we just saw yes, this week. So nostalgic. So much fun. So fun. And like we would just go to so many concerts. Yeah. Like, we'd skip, like, three days of school in a week to go follow around All Time Low. <laughs> we just, like, were committed to being their fans. And this just, like, sparked a love of, like, concerts in general, especially of, like, smaller bands where the tickets are yep. cheap and it's, like, you get in line yeah. early in the day and other bands try to sell you their CDs while you wait and you have to yeah, fight. you'd walk up with their yeah. Walkman and, like, you'd listen through their yeah. own. Yeah, such a good vibe. So yeah. good. And so, obviously, like, concerts now are a huge part of my life. And another way that this connected me to, like, my now husband is he liked the same music. Like, he was into a little more of, like, harder stuff, mm-hmm. like, of Mice and Men and Bring Me the Horizon, that kind of stuff. But it was all the same tours and the same venues. And so that was another way that we like connected when we first met. And now like I try to go to as many concerts and I, as I can. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, it's all probably because I love the Beatles happened to go on the hot topic (laughs) website that one day where his album came out. Like I was like, how many like things had to coincide for me to like, I don't know. It's yeah. crazy. And I feel like, too, it's also worth mentioning, like, your husband's in a band now. Like, your husband and your brother are in a band. Yeah. And, like, you're that mm-hmm. – like, that is still very much part of your life. You know what I mean? Like, you going to yeah. concerts, but it's just obviously in a different way. But it's, it is interesting yeah. how it all started and how it's still an underlying theme in your life for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I love that so much. Okay. Well, I can – this is the last thing I wanted to mention, and it is also about pop punk, my like pop punk phase, I'm calling it, even though I'm still mm, in that phase. Yeah. But so how it worked, timeline for me, and I actually am going to share something from my personal journal, which I don't think I've ever done on the podcast before, Ooh. but just goes show how meaningful this is to me. So I finally saw Avril Lavigne in concert in 2007, okay? She came to London, Ontario, mm-hmm. okay. and Boys Like Girls opened for her. And my sister's, mm-hmm. one of my sister's best friends at the time loved Boys Like Girls, and I'd never heard of them before. So I was taking all these videos for her friend on my little digital camera, but I was there to see Avril Lavigne. <laughs> and then when Boys Like Girls came out and I was taking all these videos, I was like, these guys are actually really cool. Like, they're so awesome. So I went mm-hmm. home started looking them up on YouTube, and then that started my pop punk phase. And I wouldn't even call Boys Like Girls necessarily pop punk, but from Boys Like Girls, I found Never Shout Never, which is what Tegan was just talking about. Mm -hmm. They went on tour together. So 
I think Never Shout Never and Boys Like Girls and the Ready Set went on tour. And that's what I saw. And then we went yeah. to see Never Shout Never with you tag but anyways yeah i found all time low and this is all just from like recommended videos on youtube just youtube being like this girl's starting her pop punk yeah. phase this is the band you need to know yeah. you know <laughs> anyways yeah it led me eventually to mayday parade and mayday parade is literally still to this day one of my favorite bands ever and their album a Lesson in Romantics came out in 2007, so mm-hmm. same time as I was just getting into the scene. And it is still, you guys don't understand, my number one comfort album. Like, I didn't mention this mm-hmm. before, but I still listen to Avril Lavigne all the time, especially when I'm, like, really stressed <laughs> at work and I need, like, mm-hmm. she kind of has, like, those, like, angry Alanis Morissette vibes, you know? So when you're, like, I just yeah. need something that is comforting but also, like, helps me get out my rage like I turn on Avril Lavigne or pop punk Mm -hmm. music but Mayday Parade specifically it's when I'm feeling anxious like Tegan and I grew up in a small town which we've mentioned a few times but I had like a lot of like teenage angst like I think of who I was Mm -hmm. and I'm gonna read you my journal entry in a second but who I was as a teenager I feel like I'm literally the exact opposite or even a kid, not even a teenager, mm. but a kid into teenager and who I am now. Like, I feel like I've done a total 180 and my family's probably so thankful for that. But I was just so, <laughs> I hate my small town. Like, there's got to be something out there bigger for me. Like, my life starts once I leave this town and I move to the city and start chasing my dreams. Like, this was the type of person I was. And Mayday Parade lyrics were just so sad and like, emotional and like crazy that I just loved it so so much and I was just like this makes me feel less alone like even though I hadn't like Mm -hmm. personally like been through you know they're singing about like love heartbreak all this shit being cheated on on their Mm three-year anniversary five-year anniversary sorry yeah (laughs) like I can't personally you know relate to that but it was just like the emotional side of it that I just loved so much but yeah anyways all this is to say Mayday Parade was and still is one of my favorite bands. And I wanted to read you this journal entry I wrote. I'm just going to pull it up on my phone here. From literally last year. So I was just saying how I listen to Avril Lavigne when I'm like stressed and mm-hmm. anxious and usually just like need to really focus on work or get inspired. That's what I turn on. And I blast this shit in my like AirPods now. Yeah. And the pop punk sad stuff where – you know, I want to feel less alone. This is what I start playing when it's like, I can't sleep. I'm anxious. I'm just feeling moody. Mm -hmm. I'm feeling emotions that I can't really necessarily pinpoint, but I just can't sleep. And it's like 1am and I'm tossing and turning. I just blast Mayday Parade to this day still into my AirPods and it comforts me instantly and it makes me fall asleep. So that is the theme of this journal entry. But The date is February 25th, 2021 on this journal Mm -hmm. entry. And I've also said to you guys how last year was like really tough for my mental health. So I feel you'll get a glimpse into Mm -hmm. that. But anyways, here we go. My journal entry says, tonight I had a wave of emotion come over me out of nowhere. It was a good day, but later this evening, I just got so in my head, self-doubt, overthinking, overanalyzing, you know the drill. And I randomly remembered how I used to react when I felt these emotions as a kid. 
I would literally tense up, shaking in anger or frustrations. My hands would form fists and I'd clench my teeth together as tight as I could. I'd look for something I could forcefully throw or punch without causing any sort of damage or I'd cry scream into my pillow. I don't know when I stopped reacting that way, but I'm so glad that I have. I now let myself feel whatever emotion and for the most part, I can move past it by comforting myself. One thing, though, that hasn't changed is crawling into my bed and blasting my favorite sad songs as loud as I can handle directly into my ears via headphones. Sometimes I don't reach for my headphones until it's 1 a.m. and I'm tossing and turning with my lights out. Other times, like tonight, it's at 7 p.m. when people are awake and around but unaware of how I'm feeling. The bad days or weak moments are inevitable, my darling. You may be older now with a bigger bed and a fancier wireless set of headphones, but it's okay to blast the same emo songs from 2007 while you're feeling all the feels. It's really good that some things change, but but it's also good in this particular case that some things don't. So that just goes to show how much I love that album because it's my go-to album Mm -hmm. when I'm feeling those emotions and... Yeah, just wanted to share that with you guys. I was going to say, I hope you also enjoy me calling myself my darling, being so gentle to myself (laughs) in my journal. (laughs) Sometimes you just got to pull out all the stops when you're feeling that way. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. I feel like that's a pretty good place to leave it. I don't know. I feel like we touched on, I feel like we hit like childhood, teenage Hood, totally adulthood careers yeah <laughs> so we yeah. really covered it all, it all. Yeah. yeah all right well thank you guys so much for listening i feel like this was a really fun exercise for us to do and we definitely encourage you to do the same and if it's opening up your journal just even your notes app on your phone starting with the prompt what <laughs> sorry i said that's so weird what <laughs> pop culture if it's movies, TV shows, albums, helped shape my life. And just answer that prompt. Take time, chip away at it, you know, a little bit every day. You don't need to sit down and reflect on your entire childhood in one sitting. But I think it's a really (laughs) fun way to reflect, so we encourage you to do the same. But anyways, all of that being said, thank you again for listening. We drop a new episode every single Tuesday, so we will chat with you guys next week. In between episodes, you can find us on social media. We're at our golden 20s on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, Pinterest. We have Spotify playlists. And we also have Patreon, which is the best way to support the podcast. You get access to the episodes early, as well as exclusive content that we don't post on our social channels. So definitely go check it out. But thank you again for listening. That's my third time saying that. And we will see you next Tuesday. (laughs) Bye.